partner awards, and more on today's Melanomics Squared podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam Simon. And I'm Robert Dwyer. And this is the Myelonomic Square Podcast No Annual Fee Edition. If you're not subscribed to the full Myelonomic Square Podcast, you're missing out on a deeper dive into topics like the following. It's been a while since we've talked in this format here. Uh, I think we last spoke about uh, Alaska status matches, Delta, everybody wanted to, JetBlue wanted to match Delta, Alaska wanted to match Delta. I, I did end up getting an Alaska status match. I talked about it on the paid show. They really handled that one in a uh, clumsy manner, I, <laughs> I think, right? They told me to buzz off. They told me I'd been matched before. And then all of a sudden I logged in and I had a 100K status with them. But I wonder, you know, what good, what good is that going to do me as a Boston-based traveler? I think there's four flights that they have to the West Coast. Maybe some AA benefits, some bizarre benefits when flying internationally. Uh, you said this status match stuff would be just a bunch of clicking around, and that's what it was up until I got that match. And that's going to be all the way through 2024 because I do have Alaska Bank of America credit cards. I think that was a nice opportunity. Is it going to be useful for me? Would it be useful for somebody who lived in the in the region? Would it be useful for anyone? I mean, it's clearly useful for someone, yes. And, you know, you have, I think we talked about your route options, and I think that's something that someone needs to be considerate of. Whether you fly the airline a lot or not, if you're a Detroit-based traveler, for example, and you're in Alaska 100K, do you know how many nonstop flights there are that Alaska runs from Detroit, Robert? I guess one or two. I put that over under at one and a half. <laughs> it's a great over under, because <laughs> I think it's one, and I think it's just to Seattle. And so yeah. you're looking at a lot of connections, and hey, some people love connections, I'm sure. But I will say this, Robert, you've got four options, and maybe two of them are options that I think you'd like to take. One is San Diego, and one is San Francisco. One being a destination, maybe San Diego, and one maybe as a connection to, oh, I don't know, Hawaii, possibly. I know that that's somewhere that I love to go to and possibly somewhere that you would go to. So I think we've talked about it in the upgrade scheme. And when I say scheme, I mean scheme, Robert. I mean, they will upgrade you, what is it, 120 hours ahead of schedule? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But like so many of these things, as you start to look into them with, with any kind of seriousness, you see how frustrating and limiting things are. Uh, you know, Hyatt has such a great reputation. Oh, you get these incredible upgrades. And gosh, I've tried to use them in Tokyo, for example, and I just run into blockade after blockade. And I was seeing the same thing here with Alaska. They pull through one companion like Delta does. No, no better. You know, JetBlue mm. pulls through more companions. So that's half the family, if you're traveling as a family of four like I am. And uh, the ability to use upgrade instruments, you know, they give you these four guest upgrade certificates. They're not available for any flights that I looked for. So, you know, it seems good on its face. But at the end of it, I'm thinking, boy, I'm not going to bend my schedule around on the hope that I might get upgraded to first. Their first cabins aren't that large on the planes that and I They're checked. not even that great. And they're not that great, <laughs> more yeah. importantly, right? You know, it's not the greatest product in the world. And, you know, if I'm honest, I have a grudge against them for taking what was a very good, very useful product uh, flying cross country for me in, in Virgin America. And that's, that's gone. They said they're going to make their first better. They haven't. I really think that JetBlue and Alaska need to get it on already. That They need to become one airline that goes across the country, serves the East Coast and the West Coast and provides a, a fourth option. I think JetBlue is going in a bad direction, chasing after spirit. But, you know, I think there's some court documents that said that their ultimate goal was to acquire Alaska. So uh, one way or another, I think that does need to happen. And they need to have well, like all things, you want hope for the best of everything, but that's rarely the way it works out. But maybe I'm projecting too far ahead. I just need to decide, am I going to fly with Alaska? And, you know, I will if I see the opportunity there and they have a direct flight to the place I want to go at a good time. But, yeah, it's going to be a pretty narrow uh, use model. And I, I just want to circle back on this idea of a scheme. And 
And the idea that you're not loyal to them, and I think that that's important because you're loyal to to yourself, of course, myelonomics here, but you're also loyal to the best flight you can get, maybe at the best price and at an ideal time. And I think that this could, follow me here, Robert, could play into a, a like a double booking situation where like you've got a flight coming up to Hawaii, right? And you're already booked. You've already got that booked on something. I think it's United Metal or something like that, and you're confirmed in the class of service that you want to be in. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. You, you know my schedule better than me in a lot of cases. <laughs> well, you double book now, right? You book a flight with Alaska. And it's a, basically, it's a, a, a way to leverage the way that airlines are treating changes and cancellations right now. And so you book a flight with Alaska on the hope that you would get a an upgrade. And 120 hours in, you take a reassess the landscape, so to speak, and you say, did I get upgraded on Alaska? Well, if I did, then I can back out of this United booking and save 200,000 United miles or whatever it ends up being and and take the upgrade. And if you don't, well, then you cancel the Alaska flight and you take the flight that you've already booked. Or you look at another option and fly Delta. Or, you know, I think that you are a very rational traveler. And I think a status match like this where you put something into it, but you didn't put anywhere near what a real 100K would put into acquiring that status, I think it allows you the freedom to decide to use it or never use it. And, and it doesn't matter, right? Because ultimately, you're loyal to yourself. So well, does anything I say sound like something you would maybe be interested in? Or is that just the ravings of a lunatic? <laughs> no, it, 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 it's something I hadn't considered, actually. And maybe I've used that in other situations, say, I'm flying with Delta, and I haven't yet been upgraded. And there's just two seats left, and I can pull down a lever and use an upgrade instrument that guarantees that upgrade ahead of time when it looks bleak yeah. and it's important to me. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to play it. And that's a great example that you you had just there. Unfortunately, I can only do it for two people in my travel party and I have to pay the piper for the other one. And then, you know, you forget to cancel the original itinerary and then you start to wonder if a no-show is a complete loss. And <laughs> it, we've talked about this before. A lot of things sound really good if you type them out or talk about them real quickly. And uh, in practice, when you're trying to travel, it could be just the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of complexity. Yeah, complexity here on this next item is is probably, I don't know if we can get into the whole thing here on the No Annual Fee Show, Robert, but we're talking about the churnability of American Express cards and the loss of churnability of American Express cards. There was, there was a really nice period of time over the summer where there were ways to get almost any card that I was interested in from American Express over and over. And, you know, years ago, we went to a one-per-lifetime language from American Express, and since then, they've either bent or broken that in many different ways. And one of them was just, they were ignoring that. They would, they would not give you a pop-up and they would give you the bonus and you just get the card. And that has gone away as of, oh, about a month ago now. And so we're pivoting to maybe employee offers, which I think we'll put the links here in the show notes. But the most current offer is 15,000 membership reward points when you spend $4,000 on uh, some of the popular business cards that we like, which are the business platinum and the business gold. And if you can do that spend in a bonus category, that's even more lucrative. And so it's a nice kicker. You know, we haven't seen those those spending bonuses that we've seen in years past and talked about here on this very podcast in years past. And these employee offers are capped at five right now, but it's five per card. And so you combine that with the churnability of some of these cards that we were able to get in the last six months or so. And I think a windfall of employee offers can be coming in the mail with just a few clicks. You really covered the history of uh, Amex there in the past year in in one concise uh, statement. 
you know, I have friends in real life who are so angry at American Express. You know, they, they've never really done anything very creative or lucrative with them. And they just get the pop up every time they go to apply. And they don't know why. They don't know if, if they did something wrong. You know, it's like, do, do, do you not like the look of my face? Or what? Is, why do I get this history pop up? I've had one <laughs> card from you ever. And so you've got, on one hand, people who have uh, amassed millions of membership rewards easily and uh, other people who can't get a single card with them. But they're a very confusing bank to interact with. And for a long time, when you would come at them one way, they'd say no. And if you come at them another way, they'd say yes. And, you know, a lot of people will be convinced sometimes that oh, they've cracked the code of how MX is doing something. You know, uh, you know, stand yeah. in your head this way and click this thing in this sequence and it works for you. And in a lot of cases, there truly is, I think, a random number generator going on over there. So in that environment, I can't help but think that something's going to loosen up here because we know it's very important for Amex to get approvals. And Amex, we're here for you. Please approve us and we will apply for more cards. So yeah, kind of a low <laughs> period, but yeah, time to go do some other things with them. Like you said, those employee offers are fantastic. And uh, yeah, we talk about a lot on the page show on all the great things that Amex has done in the past year. And I am doing those employee offers daily right now. It's a really good thing. Yes. And a great reminder there that you and I, I think of tried harder than anyone in the world probably to shake out like a 150,000 business gold offer or a 190,000 business platinum offer. And with all the complexity of even just getting the offer to show up, then when you apply, if you get a pop-up, I think it's important to mention the pop-up is legitimate. We're not saying that, you know, if there is a no lifetime language or whatever it is, the pop-up that says you have had this in the past is going to stop you from getting a sign-up bonus on that card. And the absence of a pop-up is usually a good thing. So so if we could force there to be no pop-up, that'd be the ideal situation, right? Yeah, yeah, very tricky. Like I said, a lot of ways to come at them. Yeah, well, we've talked about this topic on our most recent show, but this is actually going to be a deeper dive than, than what we talked about on the paid show into partner awards, I think. Yeah. On the last page show, we were talking about the highs and lows of the game, you know, just in a single week at that Alaska example. Uh, you're denied, you're approved, you, your credit card is over here, it's over there. Uh, the, the partner award situation seems to be high time for people to get together. They, in the Boston area here, they have something called cuffing season. Have you ever heard of cuffing season? What? Where? <laughs> I guess I hear from some people that like, you know, when the weather gets cold, people kind of want to, you know, meet up with their partner and kind of say, you know, we're going to be committed for the cold season. Maybe we'll come out in the spring, in the winter, in summer and see other people. But for now, we're going to we're gonna commit to each other. We're going to cuff. What? Is this like a Groundhog Day thing or what? Uh, it's, I think it's a New England thing. I'll have to hear from listeners <laughs> if this is just a thing in, in the circles I run with. But it seems to be the season where people are getting together. Airlines are getting together. And so let's start with the first one. We talked about uh, Cutter and 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 JetBlue having partnerships. Again, highs and lows. Uh, Jet, JetBlue, you could book JetBlue Mint with, with Qatar Miles and now vice versa. And then they were bad value. And then they're a decent, they're kind of not a great value right now. But then I saw today, Hawaiian, you can book Hawaiian with JetBlue Miles, points, whatever they call them, on JetBlue's site if there's availability with Hawaiian. So uh, JetBlue and Qatar going back and forth. And now they can book Hawaiian with JetBlue. But like, all this stuff is so predicated on there being partner award space. And I don't know if some airlines care whether they're participating in the partnerships. Like they, they love to create the partnership, but they don't love to open up partner award availability, it seems. Yes. I think that's a great way of just summarizing what we're going to talk about right here. It's, it's nice to talk about this as something that works. And on paper and academically, yes, you can book Hawaiian. You can book Cutter with JetBlue True Blue points. But <laughs> there's this irony that happens. And I, I've looked at the Hawaiian angle of it, so I can speak to that. 
because that's not a new combination. You know, you were able to book Hawaiian with JetBlue points for quite some time, and I traveled to Hawaii a lot. And I thought, oh, I, I'm going to do this. Yeah, this sounds great. And I, at the time, you had to call. Now you can do it online, which is great. But you know, I called in, and you know, the dates that were available and the flights that were available, they were the flights that were the least expensive. And so when you look at the cost, I mean, there are days, Robert, from Los Angeles where a flight to Hawaii is under $200 one way. Mm-hmm. There are, you can go under $300 round trip. And when you're looking at, you know, less than one cent per point, you're better off holding those JetBlue points to book on JetBlue because you'll get more for them. And that's the true irony is that the spoiled inventory is what the partner gets right now. And the spoiled inventory is priced higher than it would be priced with cash because every airline likes cash more than anything else. And so I believe you still do need these fare buckets for Hawaiian, for example. T, Z, or L are the fare buckets. Um, I just think it's nice that you could see them online, but I don't think in practice they're going to map to days where it makes any sense, especially if you're going to transfer points over. What do you think about that? That's so well said. Uh, And I see the same thing with the JetBlue Mint uh, being booked with Qatar Miles. That is only a good value when that flight gets expensive. And when that flight gets expensive, you probably want to find another option to travel on it. In other words, the that that JetBlue Mint flight would need to be like over $1,000 for that to make sense over using, say, yeah. the MX Business Platinum 35% rebate because you get 1.5 cents a piece out of them. I guess a wild card in all this is the, the, the possibility that there's a huge transfer bonus and then that could help. But your, your point there is so spot on. Partner, the, the game is going in a very bad direction if the only time partner availability is, is there is when the flight is cheap because there's no value there then. Right. Uh, the the one remaining thing is that international flight, that international premium cabin flight that if you can find it, enables you to do something with points and miles that you couldn't justify in your mind doing otherwise. And that's still there, but it is so narrow, yeah, the opportunities yeah. to do that. And I don't believe if I see a, a blog post of somebody saying something is wide open, it's almost always the opposite of that. It's not on the days that I want to go. So I don't care how wide it open it is on some string of Tuesdays and some time of the year that's not interesting to me at all. So it's hard to explain to somebody who's getting into this game who has a very specific use model, right? They're spending a lot of money to get some foreign country where their family is. And then you say, oh, you should use points and miles. And they're like, oh, I want to go to Japan. Oh, you should get Alaska miles. And like, what? Why? They're trying to follow yeah. along with you. And then if the, kick, the final kick in the pants is there's never any award availability, you feel like a jerk for recommending it to them. I mean, it's worked for you, but if it doesn't work for them in the most simplest of use cases, they're going to be rightly spe- skeptical of the situation. Yeah. And then you have the possibility of a bunch of orphaned miles, for example. Uh, like talking to someone about this hypothetical JetBlue cutter, you've got so much information that is now stale, just a month later, first of all, on that. You could have someone sitting there reading and not fully understanding what to do, transferring a bunch of Chase Ultimate rewards into uh, JetBlue miles, thinking that that's the way to do this, and they're actually going the wrong direction because you're using Cutter Avios to book onto JetBlue. I mean, there are so many places that this could go wrong and leave someone with miles stranded in a program that they don't have a good use for. Let's move on, Robert, to this next one here, which is, ITA and Virgin Atlantic uh, uh, mashed up with flying blue miles. I mean, what a weird combination. I guess they're all kind of sky team European ish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think Delta has a big stake in or partnership in all of them. Like, I guess, I guess you could, we could include Delta on this list too, because I think you can theoretically book an award with Delta on ITA Metal, the former Alitalia, 
but it'd probably be a horrendous value because that's the way Delta does things transatlantic. But I guess ITA then is going to be heavily owned by Lufthansa at some point. So talk about uh, <laughs> that. I was just reading, uh, we, I think we've both been listening to Morgan Housel's excellent, I think it's his second book, Same as Ever. And he talks about, you know, trying to acquire knowledge that's going to be there for a long time. You know, read more history rather than breaking news. You know, what, what do you remember uh, a oh. newspaper article that you read in 2011? You don't remember any newspaper articles you read in 2011, but there's a good chance that if you get read a good book in 2011, you would at least remember a, an idea from it. And with this, it's like, oh, yeah, let's let's book, uh, let's, let's use Flying Blue to book ITA. And how long is that going to be around for? Is that going to be in a vacation window that's useful to you? Is yeah. there any award availability? Again, same exact thing. I looked at two potential dates that this could be useful for, for me. No availability whatsoever, and even uh, Flying Blue's availability on their own metal was was horrendous. So, again, an interesting development, but short lived and maybe one to ignore. The idea of partner awards, there was, it was so much was written about them. Oh, they're a great way to save money and save miles, and sometimes you don't have to pay fuel surcharges, and there's all these benefits to it. But the inventory doesn't even align anymore, and I think that's one of the biggest things. I have very little confidence that if I were to see something on one of these sites that it would transfer to the other site as partner availability and and then it would price correctly too and all of that you know is the backdrop of like family travel and everyone depending on me and and my travel pattern has changed too where i want to book things that i can cancel and and so then am i stuck with a bunch of virgin atlantic or flying blue miles and and then not only do i need to win the lottery once i need to win the lottery again to get those miles back out the second time or maybe the third time and I don't like that, especially with miles that can expire or programs that you're just not very comfortable or familiar with. That's so true. Um, I was thinking you just need to have a ton of miles and be able to push them around all over the place. And sure, you're going to have some orphaned miles, but if you have enough orphaned miles, then you eventually will be able to use them. But I logged into my Virgin Atlantic account the other day, and I've got like two, 300,000 miles times two, maybe one of my wife's account too. I'm trying to think why that was. And it's because you used to be able to book Delta domestically with Virgin Atlantic very nicely. And you can't do that anymore. So now they're just kind of sitting there waiting for something in the future. But I don't, is this the opportunity? I doubt it. Um, it's always infuriating to me when I read an article saying that, oh, Virgin Atlantic, a great use of those is to fly ANA first class. You go to Japan a lot, don't you? I have searched ANA first class using using Virgin Atlantic miles so many times. I have never seen a single seat on a date that would be useful or even a single seat. So that is like a mirage of a redemption to me. And you, you bump into people who actually did it and maybe for two people, but doing it for four people on dates that work for me, even two people on dates work for me, I'm not seeing it. So uh, yeah, really, really, I think the industry takes these sweet spots, these these rare unicorn redemptions, and kind of predicates the whole hype machine on, you know, get this credit card, uh, do this thing, do this series of things, and then, you know, yeah. you could be uh, flying a first class like I am. You really need to check this stuff before you go acquire all the, the points or do all the stunts to get the thing, because a lot of times it's not just not, it's just not a, a realistic goal, that redemption that you hear about. Fantastic, Robert. And as you were saying that, my mind started jumping into ANA and the idea of partner awards and how partner awards are very binary. You're either booking or not booking. You know, with their dedicated miles, if you have an, if let's say alternate universe, you and I fly a ton of ANA flights or credit flights to ANA or have an ANA credit card and use it all the time and we earn native ANA miles. Yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. Completely different, right? We can even transfer in from membership rewards. Let's, let's, let's get into our universe here. With real miles from the carrier that has the airline and the metal, 
Maybe they don't have any saver availability, but they've got awards that are, you know, reasonable, and you can book them. And, you know, the domestic version of that is United or AA, where, you know, the price is kind of dynamic, but, you know, it floats up a little, and you go, well, it's only $90,000. It's, sometimes it's seventy-five, sometimes it's ninety. I can take it either way. You don't have that with partners. It's, these are the seats that we have, or there's nothing, and it's, you get to book or you don't get to book. And I think that that is very different for someone that's so used to this dynamic pricing. You know, we have the history of knowing prior to dynamic pricing what the system was like. If you're new to the game and dynamic pricing is the only thing you've known, this is actually flipping it in reverse and taking you into a world that you're not comfortable or familiar with, with possibly dangerous results, like you're saying, stranding a bunch of miles and then not ever being able to use them for that thing you want to do. Yeah, that stinks. I think a reasonable person would say, they would ask, you know, okay, I want to fly to Japan. How many Alaska miles do I need? Well, you know, it, it depends. <laughs> it depends on, you know, you book early, you book late, you book uh, premium economy, you book first. Well, it, connect in Taipei, yeah, you don't connect in Taipei. Exactly. Dynamic pricing. Exactly. Yeah. So complicated. And, and next one is Alaska talking about uh, consolidating the charts. You would think making it simpler. I think the headline that that made was it's mostly getting worse, meaning it's going to cost you more Alaska miles to book those partner awards. And that's true, you know, if you look at the mean cost of Alaska Miles to take a premium international partner award flight, it's gone up. But what does it matter if there's no availability being presented to us, right? That's, you could, that's you could say it's yep. 60, you could say it's 80. Like, what do I care? I mean, I, I almost practically rather have it be like 100 and be able to book it than to have it just be, well, you know, the, the chart went up, but there's never any availability. And that's that's life. I mean, I, I looked the other day, Boston to Tokyo on JAL, which is something I've done before. I've done it before multiple times. And right mm-hmm. now, when I look at the entire calendar, uh, uh, what's it's open 330 days. I see one day with business, uh, one seat. It's like they put it in there as a token placeholder. Oh, yeah, we release partner availability <laughs> one day in, on the Tuesday in October. See? Yep, see, yeah, yeah. What's your problem? We're the only two guys probably talking about raising the price of awards as a lever to increase the supply of these awards. But I think this really loops back to the original conversation we had at the top end of this show where there's no change fees, there's no cancellation fees. Why not hold every possible date you might want to take a trip for? And I've even seen anecdotal evidence that there are brokers doing that, holding you know weeks at a time and then being able to say, oh, well, which day or whatever day you want, I can cancel. You know, We called it what... Uh, catch and release and catch again, I think was what we called it a year or two ago. And there's evidence that people are doing that. So I, I think that it's frustrating. I do like that, uh, you know, we start the show talking about Alaska and your status match, and we end the show talking about Alaska and their miles. And those two things are not necessarily directly related, because I think there's a benefit to booking with partner award availability in Alaska, and that they just do have some unique partners. But the pricing does tend to go crazy. And one of the areas that I think didn't go crazy and stayed reasonable is this, is, is booking on J- uh, Japan Airlines. And so one of our tips of the week here, Robert, is that you can now book premium economy on JAL with Alaska Miles. And I think this is kind of a big deal because, you know, we had talked about this a lot in the, the buildup to your first Japan trip, I want to say, or maybe second Japan trip. And at that time, the only way to do it was, I think, with JAL Miles or with Avios, British Airways, right? And now this is a third avenue that's opened up with American Airlines still not able to do this. Right. That is weird because they do have an award chart, uh, American Airlines. I think American Airlines is probably the most common way that people book JAL medal awards. And you can book, 
you know, if the space is there, economy, business and first, but uh, premium economy has been strangely absent on their website. And I think even when you call, maybe you have to call Australia or New Zealand or something like that to give them the secret handshake or something like that. But I, I have never heard of anybody being able to book premium economy on JAL with AA miles. You could do it theoretically with Qantas or Asia miles or some other carrier, but similar to JAL and British uh, British Airways, that the taxes and fees are quite high in the neighborhood of $300 when I check for one premium economy seat, right? So the cancellation might not be too bad, but you are playing in a significant number of miles, maybe on the order of 70,000 or something like that from the East Coast of Japan, but you have $300 per person on top of that. So yeah, that Alaska development is quite nice because I just don't see JAL releasing the partner space in economy, in business, in first, and a lot of the trends that we've seen in the past are not occurring anymore. The you know the tendency to release or really close to to, to departure, yeah. yeah, or or right when they first come out there, you know, it's getting picked over, and so the game is constantly changing. But I think this is a nice little nice little win. <laughs> we kind of bumped into this coincidentally, kind of looking at the what was available in brute force searching. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just seemed to get buried in the announcement, but I like it, and I booked it. I booked it. I grabbed uh, four, nice. four seats and it provides a way back. Now, the trick is, can these be upgraded? And we were talking before we recorded on how hard it is to find things with a Google search these days. You know, you find this oh, bad yes. information that Google has then put a layer of AI on top of it and bungled the situation further. And everything's going to voice like you're listening to us right now and video and finding information like this. You, you find the obvious information, not the stuff you were actually looking for. I was trying to print the other day and I ran out of my black and white print cartridge. And all I had was a color cartridge. And I wanted to search to see if it was possible to print with a color cartridge, a black and white document. And all the stuff that I find is just that I should click, you know, black and white if I want to print black and white. It's like, no, that's not the information <laughs> I'm looking for. And if I was Googling for that, I'd be in a very bad place. So it's so hard to figure out this stuff. And you have to take practically three or four trips yourself to poke all the holes and see whether things are possible. And the question I have is, and I'd love to hear if somebody has some feedback, leave it in the in the comments. Is it possible to upgrade with cash maybe at the airport on the day of a JAL metal flight booked with a partner like Alaska? Because I'd love to be able to upgrade to business class on the day of. I look at a bunch of uh, seats on every plane going out and JAL just isn't releasing them for some reason. So I'd love to hear if that's possible with an award ticket. No, it's possible if I book with JAL miles. I did it. Crazy, crazy situation at the airport. Binders of information. Five people involved, but I was able to do that. But JAL miles are hard to come by. So you were talking up earlier about you know booking with ANA miles, running around with the ANA credit card. It's not the way we typically roll around here, but it, it becomes very interesting to go collect these obscure foreign currencies. That might be the, the path forward at some point. I mean, JAL is really obscure, Robert, because as far as I know, outside of Marriott, there's no other transfer partner for them. ANA is a little bit different, but you're saying upgrade with JAL miles or upgrade with cash? I don't know. I, you, they, you don't care. I want them to tell right? me. Give yeah. me a way. Give me a path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I, I can handle premium economy. I guess I'd like to have uh, business class buttoned up. I talked on the page show last week about buttoning things up way ahead of time and you know just resting assured that you have what you want. And you know, like we were talking about with uh, Alaska domestic upgrades, right? You don't want to say, "Hey, uh, we're going on this trip. Oh, are we, it's going to be a nice life lot." Well, maybe, maybe, kind of. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll get yeah. better. Right, we're either in the last row of the entire plane, or we're lie flat. Yep, we'll figure it out when we get to the airport, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't I like yeah. that. That's not, uh, no, I, that's not how I can do it either. So, yeah. I guess the last thing I'll say is you, you really got to try stuff out. You know, there's things that definitive guides tell you you cannot book partner award. That partner award availability for JAL uh, premium economy does not exist. And, you know, that's just not true. You're here saying you did it just a couple days ago. And so I think that. It's really important because of how quickly this game changes. The one truth that I can offer to Morgan Houselet here, Robert, is when you try things, usually you're rewarded with something. 
you know, when you don't, you like just do it all academically. Oh, well, this person said this is impossible. I think you're going to miss out on things. So my whole advice today is just try stuff. Yeah, I like that. Ready to close it out? Thanks for joining us this week. For a more in-depth discussion about points and miles, visit us at patreon.com slash milonomics. There you'll get a special link to listen to additional content right in your mobile podcast app or on your computer where we speak more freely about topics like these. As always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Milonomics and Robert is at Robert Dwyer. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, we'll see you on the site.